0: It is Locked On Jazz for the 12th of August. Happy birthday to me. I'm getting really, really old. We'll look at the Utah Jazz and whether they got better as we kick off the Did People in the Western Conference Get Better series. Then we'll look at Chris Paul and Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns. Eric Pascal is the new one of the newest members of the Jazz. Is he going to be a rotation player? And is Pascal going to be able to help the Jazz? Plus, Trent Forrest signs a two-way deal. And why does that matter to the Utah Jazz? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. pow! It's the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms now. Coming to you on YouTube, often live on YouTube as well for you, um, some of the time, depending on the time of the day. We like to get the chat room open and going, so welcome to all the people. Hello to uh, XR who stopped by um, along the way, commenting on the fact that I lost a lot of hair yesterday in a trip so, I, yeah, shortest haircut I've had in quite some time. Not quite sure what I did here. Uh, so this is the problem with being live. When I make a dramatic error like this in er, August, I usually can get away with it because you don't see me until October. Um, but now by being live, you see it. So anyway, all the fun of that. Uh, we are also available on all of our podcast platforms as well. So thanks very much um, to all of you. who Tune in both live on podcast everywhere and tell three friends because it's our new motto. There's nothing worse than going to a barbecue, starting to hear someone talk about the jazz and realize they don't listen to locked on jazz and you have to listen to them talk about it. I was in a conversation with a really wonderful person the other day who was telling me how we need to trade Rudy. And by the time we were done, his best answer was, I don't like French people because really there was no other good answer for that than why you would possibly do this. Of trading Rudy. Because you never would want to do that. He makes you win. Anyway, let's get into it. Uh, I want to start a series of did people in the West get better? We'll also um, try to do an interview series. I've reached out to Thurl today. We'll probably hear from Bowler. So a bunch of our guys. will stop by and talk with Tony Jones, hopefully, as we always do. Um, he had a great offseason as a reporter. Tip of the hat, if you didn't have to see. There, tip of the hat. Oh, I have no hair. Um, so... Uh, tip of the hat to Tony. He had a fabulous off season. Um, all right, so the first question is: Did we get better? And I think we did, which is fairly remarkable. But I'm not that certain because it actually wasn't an off season that was built for us to get better. And what I mean by that is, frankly, we had to shed some contracts and move some guys and get out from the tax a little bit and gain and 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 while simultaneously trying to create roster flexibility. If we if we really think about the job that Justin Zanuck had in this offseason, it was, it was pretty close to impossible. Shed some salary and alter the roster enough that you kind of give some more versatility to who we are while simultaneously don't get rid of anyone. Okay. So we got rid of faves who didn't have a great year. So we got rid of somebody covered it with white side, moved George Niang, which was painful, but he did not have a good playoffs covered it with a veteran and Rudy Gay who I don't know if he'll have as good a regular season in that role as George Niang, but should be a better playoff player. And then added uh, Eric Pascal, Pascal, who we'll look at more in depth here today on the show. And then in addition to that added a, a draft pick and we'll see, I, I will tell you, just make sure we're clear on my bias coming in here. Like I'm not one who jumps the board that 40th picks of NBA drafts, even if they slipped are going to be versatile or are going to be uh, players that actually impact a lot of wins I mean, I'm hoping he chews up some minutes for us more than anything else. And I, and I think that that, you know, that's the goal is that he chews up some minutes and is able to give us some depth and plays. All right. But then when it gets to playoff time, I'd be, I'd be super surprised um, if he has an impact. Most rookies don't, most 40 picks don't, this kid might be special. We might've got something um, maybe, but I also like from a planning standpoint, think that's, that's, that's kind of beyond the reason uh, beyond reasonable expectation, so uh, let's hope he can play a little and is you know uses his three years at Butler and the, uh, excuse me at Baylor and the fact that Butler won a national championship while at Baylor and and is able to play. So did we get better? So the first concept is I don't really know, and here's my quick thoughts on this. So I think Donovan gets better. He's in his fifth year. Like, this is the natural progression. If you look at when guys win championships and get continue to get better, Giannis got better, LeBron got better. Like, you go look, that's the natural. Steph Continue to improve. Um, you're getting close to where you're going to have your peak athleticism year, and then you'll probably have some better, you know, mental and physical combination years. Like, this will be Donovan at about his physical peak. And then the next few years will be Donovan – at the combination of his experience and physical peak. And then he'll learn, you know, as these guys, great players do like, okay, so now I'm 30 and what do I do and what can I do and what can't I do and how do I play through that? Rudy, I think is at that same stage. I think we've we're seeing it. I think last year was probably his physical peak and now we're going to watch him move into kind of an experience and mental piece, and maybe adds a little tiny piece or two uh, to his game. So soup, you know, in that sense, I think those two guys could get a little bit better, particularly Donovan. I think could improve the rest of our crew. When we ask and we start talking about whether we're better or not, let's be honest, we're on the wrong side of the age game with a ton of these guys. And you know, again, they have experience and they have knowledge, but Boyan Joe, Mike, Rudy Gay are all post-30. And so I think that gets to be, you know, a difficult thing to expect them to get better um, at this stage. Can they do the same for us? Can they stay healthy? But they're all on the wrong side. So, when you have, and and this is actually how you win is you have this many veteran players. But you also have to expect some of them are going to slip in some ways. We talked about the other day with Rudy Gay at thirty five. Um, here in five days, you you can begin to see where that aging is happening. Um, you know, Boyan, I don't think we've really seen it, Joe. We've begun to see maybe some signs of it, Mike. We definitely have seen some signs of it. And so, what are they going to be able? To, what are these guys going to be able to do? And and that I, I you know we were pretty healthy until the end uh, last year from a regular season standpoint. I do think we're more versatile. I do think we have different options of how to play. I do think we're a player deep. Like when George didn't have a great postseason, we we almost got down to like and and then Mike wasn't available. We got down to like seven players being able to play in the postseason. I think as we dig into Pascal. Later in the show, he could actually, he's not gonna be a rotation player to start the year. And I think he could actually probably play playoff minutes. So we've gotten deeper in that regard. So we're old, which is good because that's actually how you win. But that also means that you have to be a little have a little trepidation on whether you really think you've gotten better. I do think Donovan improves. I think we've gotten more versatile. I you know, I think Udok uh, Azabuke might be able to contribute a little bit, so it gives you a little bit more depth. Is white side gonna be better in favors? He's bigger. He's and then you have some chemistry things. You know, you've really, from a chemistry standpoint, if we, if you believe in that, and we've, we've professed it to be true, so we should act like it matters still, we lost two of the guys that most people get along with best, George Niang and Derek Favors. So that's, you know, that's going to be a part of this equation is that you have to kind of rebuild it. I think that's good. I'm not a big believer in continuity. I think you have to add new personalities, to have a feeling of a new team, um, or else it gets stale and stale gets... Um, complacent. And then I also think this group could have lacked some confidence um, in that regard. So there, that's my overall take, which is yes, because I think Donovan and Rudy continue to get better. I'm not entirely certain, you know, and, and I, I think we did incredible stuff to be able to with the limitations because of the luxury tax and be able to cut luxury tax money and add the versatility and the depth is pretty incredible. Are we better? We'll see. And then we have an aging factor on that. Let's look at the Phoenix Suns with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Are they, did they get better? And I think the answer here is yes as well. Everyone, you know, the answer a lot of people are asking is did did teams get better? Let's Devin Booker's twenty four, DeAndre Ayton's twenty three, Mikkel Bridges is twenty five, Cameron Johnson is twenty five. They added Landry Shamet, I believe he's twenty four, and they and their only free agent signing was JaVale McGee, so that they now actually have forty eight minutes of centers, which they didn't have before, um, and they can go forty eight minutes of seven footers. And so I I do think that they. Um, I do think that they got better. Um, Alfred Payton replaces Javon Carter, which I actually think is probably not as good, but probably doesn't matter as Cameron Payne's really become their backup. Landry Schammett gives them another shooter. Schammett might be overvalued a little bit as a team. Clearly the one question on them is the same age issue. Like at some point, Chris Paul at 36 years old has to slow down and not be as good. But if you're going to ask me if I think Phoenix is a better team than a year ago, I'm going to say yes, because Devin Booker should be better. As great as he was, he's got another year of experience. He's got Western Conference Finals experience. DeAndre Ayton took a huge leap last year and should be better at 24 years old. Mikkel Bridges took a massive leap last year at 26. And then Cameron Johnson's been really good and Landry Shaman. So they've got an incredible young nucleus of players that all meld well together and fit well together. And they and they have, and they're getting older and more experienced and on their young players. Their negative is the fact that Chris Paul is going to be 36, 37 years old and should slow down at some point. And I do like the addition, the two additions they made, like they changed Javon Carter for Alfred Payton seems rel- somewhat irrelevant to me. They added Landry Shamit as another shooter. I don't know if they needed it. It Cameron Johnson's really very good. Mikel Bridges is really very good, but it gives them a little bit. He's probably taking the one More role a little bit, and Shamit's probably a step up on that. And they've still got Frank Kaminsky, who they re-signed um, to a one-year, $2 million deal on the back of that. I don't know if Jalen Smith looked to me like he was going to be totally ready to play yet. So I'm going with yes, that Phoenix has gotten better as a team. I'll take your thoughts. Um, on that, if you want to throw them into the chat room and we'll hit on it, uh, as we continue today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at grip six.com. The grip six Utah company doing amazing things with their belts, their wallets, and their socks with the promo code locked on. You get 15% off. You also can just go start it off with a men's classic pack, which just for a hundred dollars, you really end up with nine belts. Think about how amazing that is. Cause you get three buckles and three straps, brown, black, and gray, with the s- silver-gray uh, buckle, the brown, and the black, and you can interchange them all you want, or you just figure you got three belts for $99, you never interchange them, but it takes two seconds to mix and match, and unlike the leather belts, uh, your buckle and swap, you'll damage. There's no damage to this. It's easy to do. There's no moving parts. They fit perfectly, and then you have the great grip six uh aspect which is no holes no flaps or no bulk an unlimited lifetime warranty feel free to check out the 8 days a week pack of socks as well they've got a new uh blue jay midweight strap available for you so they're continuing to innovate continue to do new things if you're looking uh you don't want to need the starter pack and you're looking they also have some pre discounted um packs or discontinued i would st- there's a w- pack right now for $199, you get four straps and four buckles, and all the buckles are super high-end. They're my four favorite buckles. If you're all right spending 200 bucks, that's the one I strongly suggest right now, at gripsix.com. Again, promo code LOCK gets you 15% off, but those two deals I shared with you, they have, frankly. If you could just put somewhere in there, let them know you heard from LOCKDOWN, because those deals are actually better, so I don't want you to lose out on the best deal you possibly uh, can get by just, you know, using our promo code. I want to introduce you to a new sponsor on On. It's a pretty interesting company. It's another Utah company. It's called Sweatblock. So it's doctor created, doctor recommended. It works up to seven days per use. Okay, but I gotta really tell you what it is. So Sweatblock is the It's a wipe and you wipe it on if you are, you know, a big time sweater or maybe you've got an uh, event coming up where you've got to speak in public and, you know, you are worried about it works. You know what? If you're a high school, you've got a high school kid who kind of excessively sweats. It's pretty uncomfortable and embarrassing at times. um, No fault of their own. This is a pretty incredible product. That helps with excessive sweating and actually, as I said, works up to seven days. So we were talking with Chase, the the owner the other day, and he says, I'm not an excessive sweater, so I was trying to figure out. So I went for a run, I used it on one side, but not the other, and ended up with like absolutely dry on one side and obviously my usual amount on the other. It's a pretty interesting product where this is a great example where science. Is doing it's stronger and more efficient than clinical uh antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, before going to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about it. Guaranteed. It's pretty amazing. Get 20% off sweatblock right now at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. All uh really in 10 years they've been on Amazon kind of quietly existing, and now they're out there for everyone to go get get a little secret confidence take care of a little issue it's a must for the toiletry bag whether it's a big presentation a hot date or whatever it might be it's called sweat block you can get it at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on you get 20% off it is locked on jazz daily podcast on the jazz we do this every single day thanks to all the people in the chat room um court mc Court says that the bench unit is Butler, Clarkson, Ingles, Gay, and Whiteside. Seeing it like that gets me so excited. I don't know. I think the bench unit. I mean, I think we're going to see a very similar rotation to what we saw a year ago when. So our first substitutions were Ingles and Clarkson with Conley, Ingles Clarkson and Favors with Clark with Conley going out. Uh, was it Boyan going out? I'd have to look back at who the third substitution is. That's kind of where I paused. And favors. So you're now going to have Whiteside coming in for what was favors. You're going to have Donovan slide to the one. You'll have Clarkson slide to the two. You'll have Ingles still coming in the game in that spot like he usually did. And then Rudy Gay probably comes in for Boyan. So I, I actually don't think – I think it's – I think it's that, that unit is Donovan, Clarkson, Ingalls, Gay, and Whiteside. I do think there's a little possession issue there. Like, there's a lot of guys that want the ball. And then the next side of that is your next substitution is Conley and Gobert come back together since they match each other. And now it's Conley with Clarkson, with Ingles, with Gay, and with Gobert. And then on the nights where Conley doesn't play – Ingle slides in. Butler plays your backup one. Donovan stays as the two in that in that rotation a little bit, I think. And as Rudy Gay gets older or you have a night where you're trying to go small or you're just trying to give some guys a break, Pascal comes in and can either play if if we're trying to play small. He can play in a bunch of different ways. I think he, he just can play in multiple things. It's so what you have now is Joe can suddenly slide to the one if you need him to. Frankly, I suspect in the regular season, that we're still going to see Joe Ingles playing the majority of those minutes um, as the backup point guard. And I'm not sure that Butler plays, but I, I, you know, I'm just not a believer in rookies. Like unless you're building it from the bottom up and you're playing your rookies, you know, if you just go look at last year's playoffs, other than Terrence Mann, there really wasn't a first or second year player that had any impact uh, unless I'm forgetting somebody in games. And so I just don't expect to see um, a lot of that happening uh from any of these teams i just that's not the way i i see the game and it's not the way i think that we've seen it take place over the years so um you know i think that's you know we we can get excited about butlers and traffic i'm not trying to I, I guess i am i'm throwing i'm throwing water on that excitement it's just that's the reality this league's just brutal um pascal's interesting to me let's talk about him a little bit so he's 6'6 255 which is a unique body I will say, I do feel like we have a phenomenon going on in the NBA that everyone's trying to recreate Draymond Green. And like, whether it was Brandon Bass or uh, Spellman out of Villanova or Jordan Bell along the way, or it just seems like every year, oh, it's the next Draymond. There's not a next Draymond. Like, these guys are mid sized guys that fit different positions and they don't quite match and they're tweeners and they're still all. Like we like tweeners more than we used to, but there's still like issues with that, right? Like let's be, let's just be honest about that. He's interesting in that he's 6'6", 255, which is like a wild body with a 6'11", almost seven foot wingspan and a 38 inch vertical jump. So some of the, physical shortness gets overcome by the length and the vertical jump and he's not a great defensive rebounder so far in his career so you know that's where sometimes you know it's great to have the vertical jump but you've got to also just have the reach to go get the ball um he has not been active at all in the offensive glass in fact non-existent on the offensive glass almost at in golden state and his defensive rebounding has only been okay um You know, it's interesting to kind of look at how they played him. Last year, they played him 65% of the time as the center. The year before, they played him like 76% of the time as the power forward. So they fiddled around with him in different realms. Last year at Golden State, as the Golden State got better, they made him play a little differently. Um, So, But, you know, but honestly, his rebounding numbers aren't great. So that's where, like, that size issue matters. His shooting... As a catch-and-shoot guy in college, what I really went back and did on him, and this is, you know, time will tell this is right. What, What I thought was, there's two things about him. One, he was an old college player. So on old college players, I just don't think there's a great deal of growth that's about to happen. And so sometimes those scouting reports are interesting to me because they tell you a little bit like of who the player is and what he does. And then, and so those old scouting reports talked about a guy with kind of an average catch and shoot that was an unbelievably great college finisher who was able to defend at different things, half decent in isolation, um, had a good free throw shooting percentage, which is absolutely held. He was 77 in college. He's 76 in the pros, which leads you to believe was shooting. Lacked that explosive first step but had this really good body. I think a lot of that has parlayed. What I do think is interesting about him at Golden State is the first year he started 26 games. He played – a pretty good amount. I think he was, he he ended up playing about 28 minutes a game. They were awful. They were just awful. And he just got put it out there. Like he and Jordan pool and a bunch of guys, as kind of almost sacrificial lambs. I would say where, you know, someone had to eat up the minutes and he had to play it. He shot 29% from three, but there was, he was just also not a realistic, like if you, I went back and watched one of those games with him, like that's not how you're going to use him. Like we're never going to use him like that. He to me, he struck as coming out of Villanova as a player that would be good on a really um on a really good team. Like that he passes the ball, he's versatile, he can play multiple positions, he understands the game. And and then he ends up getting to the Warriors and they have all the injuries and they're awful, so he doesn't really get to do that. And then you go and take him last year And because Draymond's back and they slid him to center, what they really did with him is they like the lineup that he played the most with last year was Brad Wanamaker, Damon Lee, Kent Bazemore, Andrew Wiggins with him as the center. And then Kelly Oubre instead of Kent Bazemore. And then Michael Mulder instead of Kelly Oubre. And then like Andrew Wiggins off the floor, his four, those were his four most common lineups that, accounted for about 25 to 30% of his minutes played were in these kind of weird groupings that just, there's not a good player on the floor in any of those lineups when, when he played was, he got to play a little bit with Steph, but not a lot. And so, you know, that's, to me, you wonder, obviously anybody who plays with Steph looks good, but, and you wonder whether he could have played next to he and Draymond are probably, you know, everyone wants, again, that's the, the Draymond thing, but like he ended up playing, I think it was about 30% of his minutes with Steph on the floor and they were terrible defensively when that was going on. He was only on the floor with Draymond for a very short period of that time. Um, And again, he was playing either with Wiseman who's not ready to play or he was playing at center. So I think what's interesting about him is he has all these skills, you know, he's a good college finisher um, who then got to the NBA and played a little differently Um, he's actually been a pretty strong finisher at the rim uh, in pros too. Like I think his strength and body and use of both hands, that's all the things that actually we thought would translate for him in college have in fact translated for college, but he's never gotten to play in a system that I think works for him best, which is being the fifth best player on the floor. I'd argue in some of those laps, they're probably asking to be the best player on the floor. So, I mean, he was 73% in the rim the first year, he's 71% overall in the first two years. And his mid-range game has actually been fine. He's a 47% long two-shooter, which isn't, you know, you don't want a lot of a 30% three-point shooter. He really jumps when he shoots, really, really jumps when he shoots. And so his shot is inconsistent um, in that regard. He was a below-average spot-up shooter last year. Um, he's not great in transition because he's not an elite athlete. What was What is the most interesting little piece of the puzzle with him that I will leave you with? is that at Villanova, he played with the ball in his hands a little bit. And at Golden State last year, he played with the ball in his hands because they made him into Draymond. And he was quite a good, limited, limited amount here, but quite a good pick-and-roll ball handler handling the ball. Like for Quinn Snyder to use his versatility, he was – I mean, this is a very, very small sample size, but he's not – it's not tight, it's not perfect, but he can both set the pick and run off something if you're doing, you know, and using him in different fashions. He's probably better as a pick-and-pop guy um, in some ways, but he's not awful um, with the ball. hands. very, very limited size. Let me just, like, be perfectly clear. We're talking about, you know, 20, 30 plays in here. But you kind of, again, because he's an older player, what's interesting to me about him is I think that you saw a lot of those, the things you saw in college still translate. And when he was the year before he did it and he was in two years at golden state. And again, we're talking probably at this point, 60 possessions. So not a lot, but he was really good in all these circumstances where he played with the ball in his hands, which I think is, is at least an interesting um, note. We'll get some of your questions um, and your thoughts. Plus, um, well, Trent Forrest signs a two-way deal. It's actually a pretty big deal for the jazz and I'll explain why. Uh, here in a second. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business that's been in the car business for over 20 years. And you know what? They're there for you to get reliably low prices for every customer. They have everything you need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil to even new carpet. And the fact is, you don't need to go into a brick-and-mortar store so you can spend 30, 50, or even 100% more on the same parts from chain stores, car dealerships. Save time, save money, and use rockauto.com. Right locked on in the how-do-you-hear-about-us box when you get there. It's an old-school, easy-to-navigate site. Explore their website today and find the solutions for your auto parts needs. You'll get amazing selection for lively low prices and all the parts your car will ever need. If you're going to get into the action this weekend or with college football coming up and the NFL and you want to put some stuff down for the season, it's betonline.ag. betonline.ag is our preferred gaming spot. A 50% welcome bonus for you with the promo code locked on all Major League Baseball. Otani's on the mound tonight for the Angels. They are a underdog to the Toronto Blue Jays. That's always a fun one to watch with Otani. So uh, if you want to jump aboard that, they actually do have summer league games uh, that you can bet on crazy as that might be. Um, But they do have them WNBA storm in the sun with a big one tonight. The sun are actually favors. They get back into action after the Olympics NBA futures um, as there as well, as I just talked about that. I thought the suns got better. They have the suns at plus 1600 and the jazz at plus 1800. The, they have the Lakers, Warriors, Clippers as the top three teams for championship odds in the NBA in the West, followed by Phoenix with Utah at five, Denver at six, Dallas at seven, and a f- big drop to Portland at eight, I think, if I have that right. Lakers at one on bandonline.ag, Warriors at two, Clippers at three, Suns at four, Jazz at five, Nuggets at six, Mavericks at seven, I can't wait until we get over under win totals. I'm just going over because people forget about Rudy. BetOnline.ag promo code locked on gets you 50%. Welcome bonus. Bryce says, last year you liked Joe off the ball more than bringing it down. Do you think the Jazz will do that this year? Um, Joe likes on the ball more than off the ball, which is part of the issue. So Joe likes to have the ball in his hands and keeps him engaged. And he seems to play better that way. Um, So I think that's probably a bigger issue than what I like. Um... Joe is the number one or number two player in the NBA over the last five years on early shots. Like I think in the first I'd have to run it again. It's something like in the first like seven or eight seconds. I don't know. I could probably try to run it right now. I probably couldn't. I'm not that good. Oh, maybe I'll remember to have it for tomorrow. And like the first six seconds, Eight seconds of the shot clock. Joe Ingles is like the number one or two shooter in the league. Now he only takes it if it's open. I got it. But, like, get him down the floor early, push ahead to Joe, and let him get those early threes. I mean, what we did last year is we took early threes. I want Joe to be a large, large part of that. That's where Boyan's outstanding. Let's let Joe do that, too. If Butler can play a little bit so that Joe doesn't have to be the backup point guard, that would be great um, to get that. I also like to get Joe's minutes down. I just, the aging game is on the wrong side of him. Jeff Riley asked, Is Quinn going to save Rudy Gay at the five lineups for the playoffs? You're not going to wear out a 35 year old guy in the regular season when there's times you'll do it. Quinn's not a big weight for the playoffs guy, though, quite frankly. Um, so I think that they, um, I think that's one where you, you know, we'll, we'll he's pretty careful on how you use Rudy Gay, but yes, I think that's one – playoffs get smaller. Um, and, Throughout the year, and I think that's a case where you'll probably see that. You talk about great. If this is from Jared Hurst. You talk about great defenders that can shoot or all stars. Do players similar to Danny Green in their prime now deserve all star status today? I love defensive players that can hit a three. Um, you know, there are very few. Danny Green's a great example. Mikel Bridges is going to be the, what's interesting to see is how he develops because that's kind of out of the Danny Green model. I mean, Danny Green's making what did Danny Green got this offseason. I don't remember, but um, I know he was projected at like ten or twelve million um you know there's a reason why danny green's been on a bunch of really really good basketball team um danny green two-year 20 million dollar deal that's a pretty good deal by um philadelphia i think they might have gotten better by the way um and we'll see if they trade i mean they're in total dis. Disarr- it's an interesting team to me because they're in total disarray and yet i actually feel like they're gonna get better um yeah i mean I- if you can find a, you know, Royce is a pretty good example of this, like, right? Like, you have a defensive player that can hit a three. It's, they're hard to come by. Um, and, you know, if we look up on B-Ball Index of the guys who have the most difficult defensive assignments all the time, a lot of them are the, you know, the Ferguson, Terrence Ferguson, Torrey Craigs. Like, not very many of them are shooting above their weight for three-point shooting. And so if you can find the Danny Green type, you can do it. I don't know where he is defensively at this point. I'd like to see your analysis on where the coaching staff can improve. I think Quinn and company is the best there is, but there are areas of concern. Well, I think he, he's got a more versatile lineup. So I think we'll be able to see um, him be able to do more and more things. I'm kind of lost. You know, I got a text from someone who I really respect in the league the other day about, you know, playoff adjustments. I, I, I'm i lost on what the adjustment is with that lineup that, on the roster they have. Like, not play Rudy, like, I I don't think that's an adjustment that I'm that interested in being um, a part of. Uh, Nathan says, watching the Olympics, Rudy was sealing and dunking over smaller defenders. Do you think Quinn saw that began immediately game playing with that in mind? Well, can he get the non-NBA player Olympic players to play for the opposing teams? Right? Like, I mean, that's, that's the issue. Now does Rudy need to get to a point in the NBA where the Clippers are playing five small guys, but they're not. But this is this is the misnomer here. The Clippers didn't go small, they were 6'8, 220 across the board at every position. Terrence Mann was their shortest player, and they did a brilliant job of running Terrence Mann out of every pick and roll. And every time the Jazz wanted to take Terrence Mann down to the post or do something to him, because the next closest player was always 6'8, 220. See, you'll see circumstances like where the Warriors will bump Draymond on so Draymond gets involved. Well, the way you deal with that is you move Draymond's man along the floor. You couldn't do that to the Clippers because every guy they had was 6'8", 220. And so if you're trying to – like whenever we ran Reggie Jackson into a pick and roll, who's 6'4", by the way, they doubled, right? Every time we tried to get somebody up, they doubled. Now, because the reason they could do that is because the guy, the other guy involved was guaranteed to be 6'8", 220. So – Yeah, like, if we're playing, if we had played the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs and they tried that with Cameron Payne or Chris Paul, then Rudy Gobert has got to be able to go down and take Cameron Payne or Chris Paul and pack their ass. Like, there's no question. That has to be able to happen. But 6'8", 220, Marcus Morris? Like, that's not happening. 6'8", 220, Paul George? Probably not happening. I mean, it's just where that lineup was brutal. If we were playing the box and they have Bryn Forbes on the floor and they try that bam pack his ass but that's not um you know that's and yes that is where Rudy has to develop but let's make sure we're perfectly clear about like what it was in the playoffs last year of who it is he was trying to pack on right so you know if it's this year you know if it's the Lakers are going are pretty big again right like i'm trying to figure out what the lakers starting lineup is entirely because they lost so many players along the way but if you know if they've got if they've got their big lineup on the floor, you're not going to be able to do that to the Lakers. I mean, they they're going to be interesting because they're going to have to just be the most outstanding. The Lakers are going to have to be the most outstanding defensive team. We'll talk about it tomorrow because or the next day is one of these days when we do this. But you know, so if they have Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and whatever player they want to have out there as their two guard. Like well, Rudy's not taking any of those guys down the post and and packing on him unless it's maybe Kendrick Nunn, but I don't I don't think so, um, or maybe it's Wayne Ellington he he but not not a lot right because they're not the same thing as these European players. Uh, Trent Forrest signed a two way deal. Here's why this is important, because again, Jared Butler, I know we're excited about it. he's a rookie. There aren't a lot of rookies. Trent Forrest is also a rookie, but we know that if Butler's, whatever his injury is now, whatever his injury was, whatever these injuries issues are, if, it, if it's just a hard for him to adjust, like we know right now what that Trent Forrest can give us 14 minutes of NBA action as a regular season backup for the Jazz to help out. Uh, and he's got a great body. He's 6'4", 210. And I think his wingspan is, you know, the, you know, uh, Butler's small. Butler is 6'3 with a 6'4 wingspan. Trent Forrest, um, I believe, and I'll have to check it again, had a pretty decent um, wingspan in standing reach. That was a weird year because it's the COVID year, and so not everybody measures quite the same way they usually do. Um, so I'd have to go try to find it somewhere. Um, but I think if I, if I remember correctly, he's like six, seven, six, seven and a half. So he's much bigger and longer than Butler. And, you know, obviously the 20, the 19% three point shooting that he had last year is just not great. And, uh, and this is why he didn't get a deal with someone. Uh, I said it yesterday on the show. I just didn't think that he would probably be able to get a deal. He's a 25% college three-point shooter and a 19%. But he can play. He plays so beautifully. He understands the game. He understands spacing. He understands placement on the floor. He does all that so beautifully that I think that what you're going to be able to see from him is a really interesting player who, if – If breaking place of emergency is ready to go. And that's a pretty important thing to have on a two way contract and on this roster. So that was a big move because if he goes, we don't really have a way to do that. Andy knows our system. So that's pretty exciting um, to see. Uh, Wrap this up by saying hi to Ben in Philippines. who just stopped by to say hi. It's 1220 in the morning there. That's the beauty of these live shows. Thanks for being a part of the Locked On Jazz community. Thanks for everybody who tuned in live. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight and expertise. Tell your friends about the show because you don't want to go to a barbecue where the other people are talking jazz and haven't heard Locked On Jazz. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll look at the other teams at the Western Conference, continue the series to Did They Improve in the West? And we'll uh, run through a little bit more of, of where the Jazz sit. It's all coming up on Locked on Jazz. Right now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Podcast Locked on Today. Have a good one.